From WFIU in Bloomington, Indiana, I'm Kate Young, and this is Earth Eats. Because Filipino food is not really known like that yet, especially in, like, in, in Indiana. So we wanted to uh, bring something new. This week on the show, we visit with the owners of Panoy Garden Cafe. They talk about what it means to them to bring authentic Filipino cuisine to Bloomington, Indiana. And they share a recipe for vegetarian lumpia, a Filipino-style spring roll that locals can't seem to get enough of. Plus, a story from Harvest Public Media about funding challenges in agriculture research at a time when it's needed most. That's all just ahead. Stay with us. Thanks for listening to Earth Eats. I'm Kate Young. The federal government spends billions of dollars every year on agriculture research. That is, research that helps advance farming technology. That funding has fallen by a third over the past two decades. As Dana Cronin reports for Harvest Public Media, that decline has implications for agriculture's ability to adapt to climate change. Gwyn Beatty tugs open the frosty door to her lab's industrial-style freezer, which houses thousands of plant and bacteria samples. It starts beeping angrily at her. And you can't have it open too long or else it beeps at you and says, I don't want to warm up. Beatty is a professor of plant pathology at Iowa State University. She recently received a big grant from the U.S. Department of Agriculture to study drought resiliency in crops, a subject of increasing importance. There's not a sustainable amount of available um, fresh water for agriculture everywhere in the way we're going. So we really need plants that can thrive with less water. But federal funding for that research is becoming more scarce. According to the USDA, federal funding levels for agriculture research are the same now as they were in the 1970s. Meanwhile, China has surpassed the U.S. in its agriculture research funding. Brazil, a major competitor in ag exports, has also increased its funding. Beth Ford is the CEO of ag giant Land O'Lakes. Speaking at a recent public event, she said she's worried the U.S. is falling behind in preparing for agriculture's stark future. We're going to have less arable land, less available water in the future. We know this. Um, and at the same time, population set to go to nine and a half, 10 billion. By 2050, we have to produce more food than the last 5,000 years combined. That should be an eye-opener, she says. But while public funding for ag research has fallen over the past two decades, private funding from companies like Land O'Lakes has shot up. Iowa State University, for example, has seen a 50% increase in company-funded research over just the last two years, and agriculture has been at the forefront of that. Gabrielle Resch McNally does agriculture research with American Farmland Trust. She says relying on corporations for funding could skew the overall research agenda. They're looking for ways that research can develop products, you know, tangible, intangible, that people will spend money on that will increase their base of profit. Research is a public good, she says, and it should mostly be up to the federal government to fund it. I think it's danger to move to a system where the government that, yes, albeit influenced by politics, that it has the public interest in mind more than any other entity and can take a broader view. 
Research dollars are determined by Congress via the Farm Bill, which is set for reauthorization next year. Gordon Merrick is the Policy and Programs Manager with the Organic Farming Research Foundation. He advocates in Washington, D.C. for more ag research funding, which he says can be a tough sell. Agricultural research especially is like slow, it's methodical. There's no crazy cutting edge new way to organically control bindweed that hits the, <laughs> hits the airwaves. Earlier this year, the Senate increased the research budgets for agencies including the National Institutes of Health, the National Science Foundation, and the Department of Energy. The USDA, however, saw another budget decrease when accounting for inflation. Iowa State professor Gwyn Beatty says that's a dangerous trend. It's in all of our best interest to have food security. Food security is not only good for food, but it's actually also for political stability and world stability. And the only way to have food security is to have enough knowledge and resources to continue to produce food even in the face of adverse conditions. And when in the era of climate change has the world ever faced such adverse conditions? For Harvest Public Media, I'm Dana Cronin. Harvest Public Media's Katie Pikus contributed to this report. Harvest is a collaboration of public media newsrooms in the Midwest and Great Plains. Find more at harvestpublicmedia.org. to cook. I especially love to bake. But as we've talked about on this show before, I can't imagine trying to start a food business. It sounds like a lot of stress and a lot of risk, and I know I don't have a strong enough business sense to make it work. For that reason, I'm always fascinated with stories of people who are willing to take that chance. We even had a series about small food business startups called Making the Leap, my guests today would certainly be a perfect fit for that series. My name is uh, Chris Manansala, and I am the owner of Pinot Garden Cafe. Yeah, I'm Maria St. Clair. We serve all authentic Filipino food, and we want to share it with all of Bloomington. Maria St. Clair and her son, Chris Manansala, took the leap. Their story belongs in a long tradition of immigrant families starting a new life in a new place and in this case, sharing their food with their new community and starting a business. They launched Pinot Garden Cafe on April 2nd of 2022. Here's Chris. We started as a pop-up event, you know, having a pop-up at Switchyard Park, downtown farmer's market. We also started doing catering. From that point to now, I would say that it grew pretty quick because Bloomington is very welcoming. So right now, you don't have a food truck, but you're doing it more like a pop-up. It has a tent. We have like four tables, our equipment, and then uh, we cook on site. The other stuff that we need to cook before we get to the pop-up events, we use the commissary kitchen at One World, and then we bring it to our event where we're set up at. And so there are some things that you can sort of cook on site 
while you're there, but then other things you prepare ahead of time. Yes, because mostly of our main dishes, we have to cook it two or three hours, and then we can bring it. But the others, like the fried lumpia spring rolls, we can cook that on site because it's already been prepared the night before, and then we freeze it, and then we can just take it out and then hop it on the, in the fryer. Oh, that's nice. So you can have the fresh. The fresh, fried. yeah, because we don't want to, you know, cook it and then put it in the cooler and then take it out. It's, it's just soggy. We yeah. want everything to be fresh. Yeah. I was wondering if you could take me back to when you first had the idea to start the business. Building a business or having a, you know, like a family business has been like a dream for us because, you know, we've worked a lot, a lot of places, a lot of restaurants, a lot of food trucks, corporate jobs, you know, and we were just, you know, we always talked about like, is this going to be our life forever? Can we make a difference in our family? We didn't grow up with money. We worked a lot throughout these years. So when we, me and my mom, we talked about what can we do to change that? We said, hey, let's start a food business because the only thing we know is Filipino food. So why not use that talent that we have and make people happy? And also expand our culture because Filipino food is not really known like that yet, especially like in Indiana. So we wanted to uh, bring something new on top of that. Also, it's uh, we enjoy doing it. We enjoy cooking. We enjoy serving to people. So that's like one of our main goals. It's about like what can we do long term? Because I feel like this is what we've been wanting to do for a long time. You know, not just a pop-up, but, like, we want to do, like, a food truck. And then eventually we want to build a restaurant. That's the main goal right there. So you wanted to have your own business. Yes. And you realized that food was probably the thing that was going to be the the best choice. Yes, because it's something we've always done, like, all all our lives. Because back in the Philippines, all we did was cook. You know, in the Philippines, like, you can get out of your house there's a lot of vendors out there because we was also a vendor in the Philippines. Like we was selling food. It's different in the Philippines compared to United States. You can go outside. There's vendors. Here it's like you have to come up with an event or join something. So it's something like that. It's different. And is there just more of a process here, like just the regulations and the legal, you know, getting permits and all that stuff? Here is more like harder. I mean, we had permits there too, but here it's like more... I'm not going to say strict, but, like, they pay attention to the details. Make sure we're doing it right. So you guys got the idea to do it, to start a business. And then what What did you do next? Starting a business, it costs a lot of money. So a lot of people in the past who started a business, they jumped into it quick. So we wanted to start small, build it from scratch, even if it's harder so uh, the idea of a pop-up, it would make sense because it didn't cost us a lot. And it's, it is a lot of work, but it's worth it at the end. When we first started, the, the farmer's market introduced us to Bloomington. But we planned this like three months ahead. I mean, before the April 2nd, so like January, we was already planning it, fully 100% planning it. It's been in our minds for years now, but we just needed to put our heads into it 100% and make it happen. So the the first events you did were at the Bloomington Farmer's Market. Yep. And so then where did you go from there? 
So when we started the Farmer's Market, we was doing like once a week event, which is every Saturday. I guess the word got around. A couple people reached out from Indiana University that wanted to cater. And we didn't even know what to do at the time because we didn't plan on doing caterings yet. Right. So we had to sit down that one night and make a plan on, on the pricing, and you know, what, what are we going to serve, how much are the costing to make the food, to get the food. Most of our stuff, our ingredients that we use, we still order it from overseas. So it is authentic. So we use a lot of authentic uh, ingredients. So in university, you reached out to us, and we just had to make a plan. And then from that time, after that, one or two caterings from in the university, the word spread out. We started doing two, three caterings a week. It was like once every two weeks, but now it's like two or three caterings a week from IU, different departments, mostly at Kelly School of Business. That sounds like a good problem to have, but yeah, a little bit stressful at yeah. first. Especially like being short-staffed because it was mostly me and my mom. They're in the kitchen and doing the uh, operation, but we have our my siblings help if we need them, you know, at the events, take orders or uh, bag the uh, food. Also, my stepdad, he helps us uh, with the websites, anything, computers. He's the guy. Because <laughs> uh, me and my mom, we just can't handle everything because we're already in the kitchen. We're prepping, shopping, coming up with more menus and so it's a lot. So it's good to have, like, my family mm-hmm. helping also because they do a lot behind the scene. It sounds like you kind of hit the ground running. Yes, because uh, Bloomington's they welcomed us with open arms because, like I said, we didn't know it was going to turn out like this. I thought we were going to be like, okay, let's just put our business out there, you know, do like once or twice uh, a week, and then it, it just keep coming and coming and coming with more events and caterings. I still can't believe it until this day because we didn't expect that Yeah. at all. Let's talk a little bit about the food in details, like uh, what kinds of dishes do you offer? So when you hear Filipino, you hear about the adobo. Yeah. It's our main dish. So you can cook it with chicken, pork, sometimes seafood. But we do we offer pork uh, adobo. So you just, it's just a marinate meat with our Filipino ingredients like um, soy sauce, vinegar, all kinds of stuff. We marinate it overnight. And then we cook it the next day. That starts with either fried rice or white rice. And our adobo is gluten-free. We also have the pork belly rice, and that's our, one of our best sellers. That's also started with fried rice or white rice. My mom came up with the adobo tacos. Uh, we tried that. We was just in the kitchen, you know, like, hey, let's let's see how how's this gonna how's it gonna taste taste like. And it was it was good. And then we put it on our menu. For that weekend, and ever since, people been asking for it. So adobo tacos is like one of our also bestsellers. So what what's the adobo taco? It has the adobo pork and yep. then... Yep, the pork and then a flour tortilla, and then uh, you have the, the meat, cheese, pico de gallo, cilantro, onions, and our two special sauces on top. Wow, so sauce upon sauce, it sounds yeah. like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And also the lumpia spring rolls. That's one of our well-known side dish in the Philippines or when you hear about Filipinos is uh, the spring rolls. We roll about, I think, 500 pieces for like every week. Sometimes if there's catering, there's more, maybe to 1,000. So we're, yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a long process with the, with the spring rolls. 
And yours is a chicken. Chicken. Yeah, we used to do, we offer pork and veggie on our caterings, Mm -hmm. but mostly chicken. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was going to ask next, do you have any vegetarian dishes? Yes, we do. We have the pancit stir-fry noodles. So so, so it's a rice noodles with cabbage and carrots. And then uh, we cook it with our Filipino ingredients with soy sauce, garlic powder, and we just mix it. And that's also gluten-free. So it's people. Some people call it like a stew, because he has the soup into it. Because uh, the soup is for the rice, so you're just not eating the meat, but you're also enjoying the rice and then the soup, the combination. So it's the meat's just kind of cooking in that. It's marinating in it. It's mm-hmm. cooking in it for mm-hmm. a while. So it's really got that flavor, and then you use the the sauce itself mm-hmm. over the rice. Yep. And what kind of flavors? Like, how? What are the spices? What kinds of spices? Is it sweet? It's uh, sweet and tangy. Sweet and tangy, okay. And have you struggled to find ingredients for the authentic dishes? Yes. Half of the time that we, we operated, so from April till, till now, half of these times there's been like a struggle trying to get the uh, ingredients because, you know, we used to order from overseas. We have a couple of international markets that we reach out to so they can order it from us. Sometimes I have to go to Indianapolis and drive up there and look at a couple international markets that has the ingredients that we use, and sometimes they don't. We try to make sure we, we save it on our shelves for the next week or two because yeah. it's really hard getting it from uh, from another country. Yeah, you can't get it last minute. No, you can't. You've you have to stock. order it ahead like a week or two, sometimes longer, because uh, so they can order like a bulk. Yeah, and what kinds of things do you have to order? Uh, the soy sauce, the vinegars, the garlic powders, also like the spring roll wrappers, because those are very famous here. We're not just Filipinos using it, also like other Asian cultures, they use the same rice paper. So when we go to an international market, you could be lucky to have some on the shelf. So you have to like order them in the bulk. Especially how many you guys are going through in a yeah. week. Yeah. <laughs> With caterings and events on top of that, yeah. But mainly we have like three or four different uh, international markets. And like in Indianapolis, Vietnam international mm-hmm. markets. They have a probably the biggest market in Indiana. So mostly all our stuff is comes from there too. I see. Yeah, I think I've been there before. Because yeah, they have a lot of a stuff huge... in stock. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just a kind of a long drive sometimes. Yeah. So you'd probably want to stock up when you got there. Yeah, so when I go there... Make sure I buy a box that lasts us for three weeks. That's Chris Manansala talking about the ins and outs of running his food business, Panoy Garden Cafe. After a short break, we'll meet up with Chris and his mom and business partner, Maria St. Clair, for a cooking session at One World Kitchen Share. Stay with us.
Kate Young here. This is Earth Eats. We're in the kitchen at One World Commissary, where the owners and chefs of Panoy Garden Cafe prepare the food for their pop-up events and catering. They have generously agreed to share the recipe for one of their most popular dishes. Maria St. Clair will be preparing the dish, and Chris Manansala will be cooking it. What are we going to make today? We're making the vegetable lumpia spring rolls. For those who don't know lumpia, it's a lovely fried spring roll type appetizer, often filled with a seasoned chicken or pork mixture. Today we're making vegetarian lumpia. This is one of our best sellers for catering also. We always have a lot of orders for this. Could either of you explain how lumpia is different from a spring roll or an egg roll? I think the difference is the ingredients that we use. And also is the shape or how you roll it any uh, different? It's almost, almost the same as, you know, the others. Okay. Yes. Mainly really it's just the the ingredients. What goes into the filling? Okay, so with a vegetable lumpia, you can put any kind of vegetable that you like. This is just the basic. I use cabbage and carrots just because that's what our customers request. This is their favorite, just two main ingredients. So then what do you, what's the first step? Okay, the first step, so I chop the cabbage and the carrots thinly, then I saute it and I just put garlic powder, salt, pepper, that's it. A little bit of the liquid seasoning that came from our country. After that, I let it cool, and then I use the, just the regular spring roll wrapper that you can buy. You can buy this in any Asian store. The wrappers are thin, 8-inch square sheets made with wheat and sometimes rice flour. So what I do is I, I prepare it in, long, in a long and thin way, just because we want it like a bite size. So that's how we present it to our customers during our catering. So what we do is I just get just maybe one or two um, tablespoons just to you know make sure that you have enough filling. She arranges the filling in a line down the center of the wrapper. Not too much just enough and then you line them up and then you fold it so one big fold you have to make sure that this is tightened up you tighten up and then you roll it make sure it's not loose. So once in a while you need to take a grip and then roll it again. And then I use um, sometimes um, water to seal, to seal the, the wrapper or eggs. So I just put a little bit of amount at the edge of the wrapper and then you close it and then smooth it out a little bit more just to make sure it's sealed. And then you freeze this it's much better to freeze it before you fry. It helps if it's frozen. Okay, so there's no closing it at the end. No, no closing at the end. That's what we do, but I have a, a second way to do it. But this time, it's a much bigger egg roll or vegetable roll. This is um, like a diamond shape. This way, you put a little bit more of the filling just in the middle, just like that. And then you close it. You're like bringing that front yeah. corner yeah. up. Yeah, and then same way, 
you roll it one time and then here at the edge you close the edge the sides just making like a triangular shape and then the other side again you fold it there so you sealed the sides already then you continue folding until you close the whole wrapper but of course you need to seal it with the eggs okay so i see that you've got that one is a little thicker a little it's thicker. more like a what i think of as a spring roll or yes. an egg roll yes so it really depends on how our our clients want it if they want it bite size we prepare it long ways like this and then we divide it into three. Oh, i see once it's cooked yes, you would cut it cooked. yes we cut it and then this one if they just want something big like this yeah that's how i i make the bigger version so you'll fry it and then there's two sauces for this so if you want the sweet chili sauce which is like the um like the normal sauce for spring rolls like lumpia and also i have the the vinegar with onions so this is chopped red onions with vinegar i put a little bit of sugar salt and that's it and so i'm guessing that the vegetarian isn't the typical one that you make what what other kinds of fillings do you make i can put tofu here turnips we also use turnips green beans it really depends on on what kind of vegetables you want to put as filling and then what about the meat ones um, the meat ones we use the, the ground pork ground chicken soon we are going to <laughs> do the uh, adobo version of the lumpia so what is that going to involve what is that like the adobo meat i will just make it as lumpia so we're still trying that okay so you'll cook the meat like you do yeah, the adobo. Yeah. yeah, and then you'll just cut it up real small um, to fit it into what the... What I do is I'm going to dry it a little bit, but, you know, all the seasonings marination is there. Right. And then once it's dried up then and it's cooled down, then I'm going to put it as a filling. I'm going to I'm gonna try so many ways on how. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. That's, that's our next thing that we're going to feature. Yeah. <laughs> So some recipe testing yes, is, some is ahead. Yes. <laughs> okay, so are we ready to go to the frying stage, or do you want to make some more, or how do you want to do it? Uh, frying station? You can do it. While Maria was teaching me how to roll lumpia, Chris was heating up oil in the deep fryer. And in case you're wondering, at home, you probably could try using an air fryer. Just brush the outside of the lumpia with oil first and give it a try. Chris and Maria recommend freezing the lumpia first. They tend to hold together better in the fryer. So with this process, normally the lumpia takes like three to four minutes, just depends on the temperature. So for us, we use 400 degrees. So it's like a quick fry. And so you're able to take a fryer like this to your pop-up so that you can fry them on the spot. Yes, because we want to make sure our spring rolls are fresh. Now, once you see the, the golden brown color, then that's it's, it's cooked. Okay. It's for the veggies. But with the meat, like the pork lumpia and chicken lumpia, it's way different. That process might take like five minutes because you want the, the meat in there to cook. So for the meat ones, you don't pre-cook the meat that goes in there? No, we don't. Just ground chicken or pork. And then we season them up, and then uh, we wrap it into the lumpia spring rolls, and then we drop it into the fryer. 
And now we started seeing that brown color. And that's how you know that it's done. But every time we cook lumpia, we check the temperature first before we give it to the customer because we want to make sure that it's on the right temperature. Because sometimes just because it's a brown color doesn't mean the inside is cooked. So we make sure that it's cooked. Okay. All right. So which one should I try first? The skinny one? You can do the skinny one, yeah. Okay. I mean, I know they're probably going to taste similar. But, but the skinny one, you know, uh, yes, the filling, but the the big egg rolls one has more filling inside. Right. So. Also, it's just a different experience. I think this yeah. is probably a different texture. Yeah, um, a lot of times we cut the long ones into three pieces. That's right. So it's like a bite size. You know, somebody's more like an appetizer. Mmm. That's so good. Mmm, thank you. I don't want to double dip. <laughs> yeah, because my first bite was mostly the wrapper, so I gotta get gotta get the second one with the filling. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's so simple, but it all kind of works together to make this really mm -hmm. delightful appetizer that is so mm -hmm. crunchy, like the texture's everything. It's just so great. Okay, let me try it with this yes. vinegar onion. That's more of a traditional. Yeah, traditional. Back in the why. Philippines with the vinegar, because that vinegar, it's not just regular vinegar. It's a Filipino brand vinegar. And the way we do the sauce, it's, it's. Uh, it's different. <laughs> I can't explain. It's, it's different, different from like other. Yeah. Places that serves egg rolls. It's yeah. just uh, it's the sauce. Mostly it's the sauce. It's yeah, different. I like that sauce much more actually. Oh really? Oh. Yeah. Yeah, because I don't really like s sweet sauces, mm -hmm. and this is just such yeah, a great contrast. Actually. You know, because sometimes fried things can feel a little mm -hmm. heavy, and I feel like the the vinegar really cuts through mm -hmm. and just makes it more bright mm -hmm. or something. Well, I'm going to Mm-hmm. Mm. I love it. I bet all the other flavors are good, too, but I just like the simple vegetables. Mm -hmm. It's really nice. Yeah. Also with our vegetable lumpia, this is actually a great pair with the punsit stir-fry noodles mm -hmm. vegetables. So that's like a good pair for like vegetarians. They can only enjoy, I mean they can enjoy the noodle, rice noodles, and the vegetable lumpia. Together. Together. So are the vegetarian versions of these dishes, are they not traditional to Filipino food? Oh, they are. They are. They are? Yes. They are. It's not just the Americanized no, version. <laughs> no, no. But in the Philippines, we use more of the bean sprouts. Oh, that would be good. Yes, but as I say, you know, we, we ask our customers what, uh, what, what their, their likings are because most of them, they don't like sprouts. But I would think bean sprouts would be a good texture yes. in there, though. I yes, would like actually, that. Actually, yes, it yeah. is. Well, thank you so much for this. I really appreciate it, and I'm excited to share it with listeners. Of course. Thank you for thank having you so us. Much. Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. That was Chris Manansala and Maria St. Clair, the mother-son team behind Panoy Garden Cafe. After a short break, we'll return to my studio conversation with Chris, where he reflects on what it means for him to share the food of his homeland with the Bloomington community. Stay with us.
This is Earth Eats. I'm Kate Young, and we're back in the studio with Chris Manansala. Chris and his mom, Maria St. Clair, are the owners of Panoy Garden Cafe, a pop-up and catering company serving authentic Filipino cuisine here in Bloomington, Indiana. I asked Chris to share a little about his family's background. So, you know, we're originally from the Philippines. We came here at 2009, but not in Bloomington, in Louisville, Kentucky. That's where we're originally from. Uh, we moved to Bloomington in 2016. Bloomington is a great family environment because where we come, when we came from, it's pretty rough down there. So, in Louisville or in Philippines? Louisville. We had to uh, leave Louisville because uh, a lot of things are not. There's no, not really a opportunities there, and also we we wanted to be close to my brother because he, he went to IU. Oh, okay. So that's one of the reasons why we also came here too to get closer because family is very important to us. We want to be together. Uh-huh. So that's one of the reasons why we came here in Bloomington also. And my stepdad because he is, he's been here for 40 years. When did your family move to Louisville? So we moved to Louisville 2009. So oh, 2009. we came straight from the Philippines to uh, Louisville. And where did you live in the Philippines? In a big city or in a small town? It was more of a mix. So province and in the city. We had to move a lot because uh, either jobs or uh, living conditions, stuff mm-hmm. like that. And you said mostly the work that you guys had done was mostly in food? In food industry. And also half of that is corporate jobs. My mom used to work at uh, healthcare. Also, I also worked at like healthcare, like building medical supplies, mm-hmm. stuff like that. But mostly restaurants mm-hmm. and food trucks. So I've been around, we've been around food a lot. Were you guys also kind of missing the food from the Philippines? It's different compared here to the Philippines. Because in the Philippines, there are so many foods. Here it's like a limit because we don't know how to cook everything. Because in the Philippines, there are different areas that introduce other Filipino dishes. Mm. A lot of province, food that are from province that we don't know how to cook. But it's really good. Mm-hmm. Only in... Probably if you have a family member in the province, you can learn from them how to cook it. But there are a lot of different types of Filipino foods. Do you guys go back at all? We haven't been back since 2000. We haven't, we never, haven't left okay. the United States yet, but we're planning on visiting. We want to feel that environment again because yeah. it's, it's been 14 years since we've been back there. Wow. So We would love to go back home and also learn from them too because we still have a lot of things that we need to learn. Being back home, I I think it's going to help that, you know, to learn more. The real, real authentic, how they make it there. Because mm-hmm. it's different how we make it here. And you might not even be able to do everything here yeah. because of the ingredients and stuff. Yep. Also, yeah. the equipments. There are a lot mm-hmm. of manual equipments in the Philippines that they use. Here, you can't gut those. Okay. Like, what's an example of that? So, I would say, like, um, so those push carts with, like, grills. So there you can just go anywhere with a cart and just sell for here. You can't do that. 
Also, ice cream makers are different. Uh-huh. You have to do it manually. Here's push start, push start, you know, here. But there is, you have to do it, like, manually. I see. So a lot of things are manual over there. Yeah. Do you guys make ice cream? We do. Uh, we have the halo halo, like the Filipino dessert. So that's one of our, we're very well known in the Philippines, the halo halo. So it's like a fruit gel. It's on the bottom. You have uh, fresh bananas, shredded coconut, and you put the shredded ice, like a snow cone. Uh-huh. You put evaporated milk, uh-huh. and then you put the, either uh, mango ice cream or vanilla ice cream, whatever, however ice cream you want to put. And we, we put the sweet flan, like a flan on top. Wow, this sounds very complicated. With, with the purple yam. So it's, and then you mix it together from top to bottom. You, you mix it, make sure it's, because most of the sweets are in the middle where all the evaporated Wait, so milk when is. you're eating it, you mix it together? Yeah, you have, to, you have to mix it before you eat it. I see. But you serve it and it's all in those layers. Mm-hmm, on those layers, yep. Could you talk about your, just your relationship to the foods of your home? the foods of home and what what does this food mean to you or what does it mean to you to be making it here? It means a lot making it here because we're representing our culture. Also, the family, some, some, some of the family recipes that my mom's been carrying for years that she's always wanted to show out. Now that we have that chance to do that, it feels great. Filipino food is not really known in the Midwest. I feel like here is a perfect place to do that Yeah, because it's... No, but it also Indiana University has has a lot of um. It's very diverse, a lot of Asian American students, and there is a group of uh, Filipino American Association, and we all we will uh, like also to show them and give them Filipino food because I feel like a lot of people miss home, especially like those students that from out of state, not from Indiana, and they miss home cooked meals, and we can get it from us. Where do you see the business going? What are your, what are your plans right now? We're looking for a trailer right now. Our goal is maybe by April. That's the latest because the farmer's market starts that time. The food truck Friday starts at that time. A lot of events starting that time. And how would a food trailer be different than a food truck or is it kind of the same thing? A food trailer is like something you can hook on a pickup truck and then drive it around. We want to do that because it's, it's cheaper. We, like I said, we want to do step by step. We didn't want to mm-hmm. jump into a pop-up and then a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Even though a lot of people are saying that, hey, get a restaurant. Hey, you know, uh, get a commercial, uh, commercial building. But we wanted to start with a food trailer. Um, it's funny thing is uh, there are a lot of people that are sending us messages with pictures of food trucks. Hey, I found this food truck for you guys. <laughs> hey, uh you know, uh, this will be perfect for you guys. Check it out. You know, we want you guys to have a, you know, a, a trailer or a food truck. It's great, but it's funny at the same time because, yeah. like, we didn't expect that. But a food truck is, like, you know, the, the, the drivable one. Right. We didn't want to, like, get that because that's very expensive. It's difficult because if you have the food truck, well, you have to have, like, a, a money on the side for repairs. Yeah. Because it costs a lot. A trailer is a good idea because the only thing you need to worry about is the inside. I can see the the way that could make sense. I hadn't really thought about it before. Mm-hmm. Also, our menu is going to expand even more because right. we have so many f- Filipino food that we want to introduce. Oh. But it's just so hard for us because doing a pop-up, you can have 10, 12, or 15 menus 
in one day. You had to pick. We had to pick like the top four, mm-hmm. maybe five sometimes that we can sell. Right. Because uh, our time is limited. But if when we get that trailer, it'd be easier for us to park somewhere like all day long. We can be there and have like picnic tables and upgraded menu. Yeah. So. Yeah. That sounds great. And then you said that your long-term goal was to perhaps have a restaurant, but you're trying to just do it in steps. Mm-hmm. That's our big goal because, like I said, we have a lot of plans, not just the food trucks, but like how the inside of the restaurant is going to look, how the outside is going to look. Maybe we can put like entertainment inside the restaurant or karaoke because Filipinos love karaoke. They can karaoke all night long, so we want to make sure we have like a karaoke section over there. But it's a lot of plans. Yeah. With the restaurant. But that's like long term. And you feel like the you're liking the work? For me personally, I think this is like the best job I've ever had. Oh. Just because I'm with, first of all, I'm with my family. We're doing what we love to do, which is Filipino food. It is a lot of work. It's like three, five times the work compared to working somewhere else. But at the same time, it's also good because we control our own hours. Also, we don't have to answer to, to nobody, which is, you know, it's like the the freedom, basically. And we get to see our family a lot because when we was working for other companies, we can't take this off. We can't have a weekend off. Now, like, we can enjoy having, you know, family functions and stuff like that. And also, if you, like you said, you're working with your family, so you're spending more time together more time, yep. even when you're at work. Yeah, which is good. I know some families that could put a lot of stress on the family relationships, but it sounds like you guys are pretty close. Families bump heads sometimes, but it's nothing personal. But we love working with each other. Even sometimes we have disagreements and stuff like that. That happens. It's right. life. But, you know, but it's never, like, personal. Yeah. And we also learn a lot from each other, too. Even though, like, we've known each other for a long time as a family. So you mean you're not just learning things from a family member you're learning things about them about that them, you didn't like, know before yeah. like how how they operate physically the ideas they have uh-huh like uh, they throw ideas and I'm like I didn't know that I didn't know that and so yeah. it it works pretty well or like how what their organizational style is yes, you know how that, they how they keep things together mhm recipes mm. also like what 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 else do you have in mind that you've been keeping? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> that we can like put on the business. So it's a lot of things plays out. That's really great. That's a great thing to hear. While Panoi Garden Cafe has experienced some early success, it hasn't all been smooth sailing. They secured a spot for vending at Lotus Fest this year. Lotus is an annual world music festival held in downtown Bloomington every September. But unfortunately, Maria and Chris were missing some crucial information about the setup. We didn't know that there was no outlets. So we are like, wait, nobody told us about a generator. Because mainly our pop-up events has outlets. Okay, so like when you do a food truck Friday, you, you can plug into electricity yeah. at Switchyard. Switchyard or at the... Farmer's Market downtown, there are outlets, but at Lotus Festival, we wasn't aware. I should have asked. I should have asked. That's kind of like my fault. But uh, <laughs> it, was, uh, it wasn't bad, but we had to leave the place and go get a generator rented. 
So on the spot, you had to go get a generator yeah, I had while to call, you're getting ready to do the event. Yeah, I had to call Master Rental. I was like, hey, do you guys have a generator available right now? Which they did. So I picked it up and... Wow. Yeah, it was... Uh, <laughs> that sounds were, so stressful. There were a couple of events that was like very stressful. Like, wait, we need a generator? It was nerve-wracking. <laughs> um, <laughs> What is your what is your plan when you're like when you're at an event like that? Like what kind of food do you bring and how do you So when we first got to Food Truck Fridays as a customer, we saw how the process of Food Truck Fridays is. So when we got invited, we already made the plan saying, Hey, we need to make sure it's not a long wait. We make sure that everything is scooped and served but it's fresh. The only thing that pe- people probably gonna have to wait is the lumpia because we cook the lumpia fresh right so you know but we're already like cooking three or four orders at a at a time so once that's cooked we put it on like a pot it's still hot then we cook another three or four yeah so the process can be faster because we have a, a plan of make sure the customers only wait not, not less than five minutes yeah for our food Another venue that was full of surprises was the Monroe County Fair this summer. The whole week from, like, Monday through Sunday. (laughs) So we was at the fair from Monday to Sunday. Uh, Monday and Tuesday, it wasn't that busy because we didn't know how the flow of the fair was during the the weekdays because people were uh, working at the time. But Wednesday through Sunday, it started getting busy. But um, that was our first time doing the fair, and it was crazy. The thing is, the surprises, we didn't know that a lot of people would get Filipino food, because, you know, fair, if you go to the fair, you eat fair food. Yeah. Corn dogs yeah. and fried Oreos, stuff like that, all the good stuff. Funnel cakes. Funnel cakes, mainly, yes. <laughs> Corn, uh, turkey leg. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I, I think that time I had four orders of uh, fried Oreos, because that's, that's the only time I get to uh, eat fried Oreos like that. So I had that one day, I had like four or five orders. So I was just, <laughs> but I didn't know that a lot of people would buy or eat Filipino food at the fair. A lot of people came there just to see us and get food, which is very, like, humbling. You know, it's, we're grateful for that. You mean there were some of your customers or people who had already tried your food who knew you were going to be out there and yep. came for you? They came for us, yeah. There are a couple of people saying, yeah, we don't even go to the fair, but you guys are here, so we're going to get some food. So that was, like, that was that was good to hear. So it was something like But that. then there were a lot of fairgoers who had never heard of you. Yeah, and they were like, wait, there's Filipino food in Bloomington? And then so they went to our booth and bought a lot of food from us. Uh, it's mainly the lumpia because a lot of people know us about the lumpia. And the whole week we was we was slammed, especially like the Saturday. Um, there were a couple times that we had to uh, think close down for like an hour so we can bring more food from the mm-hmm. commissary because we we had a backup food just in case we sold out. Mm-hmm. So we so we sold out twice in like a day. And That's we didn't wild. we didn't know about that, but we had that gut feeling. That, hey, I think we should make, like, two batches, which we did. Yeah, it, it was a great atmosphere over there being at the fair. Being there as a vendor was different than being there as a customer. But it was a good experience. Well, that's cool. It's great to hear you say that it was a good experience because I would just think so hot and so long. It was hot. Uh, but we would like to do it again next year, but with the trailer. Mm-hmm. But it would be easier. Oh, right, because you guys were just in a booth. Yeah, we was on the booth. A tent. We Were you inside or outside? Outside. Uh-huh. So it was pretty hot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the fan that we brought, it wasn't even enough. So. Yeah. Before we wrapped up, I asked Chris if there was anything else he wanted to say. We would like to thank everyone who's been there for us since we opened on April 2nd, 2022. 
a lot of people helped us along the way. I want to thank Mr. Clarence Boone of the Farmer's Market because he's the one that really put us on the map. He, he helped us to be out there in front of Bloomington. Also, Mr. Jeff Meese of One World Commissary because we have a spot we can cook. Also, um, yeah, just everyone who supported us too from, from the start because uh, our regular customers also, they show up every events we go to hey you remember me hey yeah of course we do so we, we want to thank them because it's uh, bloomington has been very welcome for us all right well thank you very much thank you for having me that was chris manansala of panoy garden cafe in bloomington you can find out more about the business he runs with his mom maria st Clair, on our website eartheats.org December is cookie baking season for many of us. And if you're looking for some new cookie recipes, I've shared some of my favorites on YouTube. We've got chocolate pecan shortbread cookies, classic thumbprints filled with red currant jelly, and delicate ginger cookies shaped like ducks with a juniper berry glaze. Next week, we have three more cookie recipes dropping on YouTube, including one for Earl Grey scented tea cakes, and another for a butter cookie with a hint of anise seed. Watch step-by-step instructions from my home kitchen by searching for Earth Eats on YouTube. That's it for our show this week. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Earth Eats is produced and edited by Kate Young with help from Aabon Binder, Alex Chambers, Mark Chilla, Toby Foster, Samantha G, Abraham Hill, Peyton Whaley, Harvest Public Media, and me, Daniela Richardson. Special thanks this week to Chris Manansala and Maria St. Clair. Our theme music is composed by Aaron Toby and performed by Aaron and Matt Toby. Additional music on the show comes to us from the artist at Universal Production Music. Our executive producer is John Bailey.